0: Let us turn now to Mark chapter 16, reading from verse 1 to verse 8. Now when the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said amongst themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, where you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. May the Lord bless this reading to our good understanding today. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we pray that thou wouldst open up this text for us and help us to see the magnificence of it, despite its brevity. We pray that it might affect us in our lives today, here in 21st century America. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. The title of the sermon this morning is, Satan and Unbelief are Losers. Satan and unbelief are losers none of us want to be uh, losers do we uh, well there's a, a a way to there's a way to easily be a loser and that is to to ally yourself with this world and its gospels and its uh, vain imaginations and think that you're going to be happy in the end our Lord Jesus warned us about an eternity which stretches out before us and throughout his ministry, he compared what he was saying and his gospel to the various gospels around him. And uh, in the resurrection that we see here portrayed in Mark, uh, when he is justified by his resurrection, it's an implicit condemnation. An implicit condemnation of all the other gospels, all the other messiahs, all the other saviors, all the other great messianic leaders of our age who would catch up your attention and uh, attract you to themselves by their, their brawn or their brains or their speed or their good-looking handsomeness or whatever else it is. But Jesus stands there alone as the resurrected Christ ascending unto the right hand of God the Father proving that he is the great winner that he is the great victor uh, of everything that we know. Now, a few weeks ago, the Christian Church celebrated Easter. Much, much of it did. And um, while we rejoice in the celebration of Easter, I always, I always wish for more. Uh, I, I'm glad that people celebrate Easter for what it is. It, it's uh, they, in the best sense of it. They're celebrating that the resurrection from the dead, they're celebrating that Jesus actually did rise up from the dead, and they're acknowledging that historically this really did occur. That is wonderful because there are yet many people that would argue about that and uh, deny it, uh, make fun of it, mock it. So that's good that the the Christian church, by and large, celebrates uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But, as I said, we wish for more because uh, Christ's victory proves the rulers of this world to be losers. And very little is said about that. We, we seem to glory in the positive sometimes as Christians and then refuse to say the negative. Oh, we don't want to be mean or cruel. you know. We don't want to talk about those people that, that uh, crucified Jesus or that dismissed his resurrection, or that um, had a gospel that was different from his. Oh, no, we can love all people. And the fact that Jesus is risen up from the dead just gives us a better reason to be positive, optimistic people and love Satan. (laughs) That's what it breaks down to in a sense. We just want to be positive and love everybody and love everything. Well, that includes loving Satan. But in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, as as, uh, Paul said in the first chapter of Romans, writing this letter to the Roman church, he said that that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the justification of Christ. I've said this before. Rome condemned Christ. Judaism condemned Christ. They both thought that he was worthy of a capital crime, a capital sentence, capital death penalty. So the masses supported his death that Mark talked about last week. The masses supported Jesus' death. But in the resurrection God put there is in Christ, as it were, in the face of the world. In the faith, in the face of all of those who refuse to be recruited into the armies of the kingdom of God. Our Lord Jesus wants you to be recruited. He wants you to, to see the significance of his army. Now, the, the Gospel of Mark, as we have labored it to uh, say, the Gospel of Mark um, is... Is like uh, the gospel light in terms of its form. Not in terms of its substance, but in terms of its form. It's the, sh- it's the shortest gospel, only 16 chapters. Very often when Mark deals with an account, he deals with it very succinctly in a very limited way. Um, this account of the resurrection is, is quite uh, concise, quite limited. But Mark, always gets to the nub of the issue. He gets to the intensity of it. When we talked about death last week, Mark got to the the nub or the the core of the idea of death. There's nothing lovely about death. There's nothing admirable about death. Life is what we were created to live. Life is esteemed by the Lord. And life is to that that to which we are called. And so in this chapter on resurrection, um, Mark also gets to the nub of the issue and he, he shows uh, how, uh, how important it is and how graphic it is in verse uh, 6 when he says to the ladies, he is risen, he is not here. And um, the angel, we presume it's an angel. The angel declares that Jesus was not where mankind put him in a state of death in this tomb. Uh, Jesus did not obey men in the end. He did not obey the death sentence. Uh, Jesus could not be contained. His righteousness, his goodness. See, if, if Jesus came into the world and was really, 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 really good, The Father saw that goodness and righteousness itself cried out. Righteousness could not be contained even by the sin of the world that separated him momentarily from the Father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because his righteousness was so powerful. It was so dynamic. It was so worthy. We don't think of righteousness that way. Uh, for us, righteousness is more of a passing fancy we don't understand the great wickedness having to do with error and sin, neither do we understand the great brilliance of righteousness of that which pleases the Father. but Jesus had that, and he could not be contained as as the righteous son of the living God, and so he was raised up from the dead. <clears throat> um, so uh, we see, first of all, here this contrast between death and life, and Mark's treatment of it. It's really um, it, it it catches up our attention because Mark is so concise, so succinct about these things. We we you know you can when you're writing as a literary uh, person, you can have a style which either Catches one's attention by the the um, fullness of it or the embellishment of it, the the uh, details of it. But there's also another style where um, a writer is able to catch attention by his brevity. Ernest Hemingway was a great writer, and he was famous for his short sentences. He would tell a story in the simplest language with these short sentences, and yet the story was gripping. And that's kind of the way Mark is. Uh, Mark doesn't uh, belabor the point. He doesn't embellish things. He just tells it like it is, but he does catch up the, uh, the sense of it. Mark does more here with the with fear of the women by the, the fact that they were overwhelmed emotionally as they left the tomb. We'll talk about that more later. But Mark does more with that than any of the other gospel writers, because he's aware of how unnatural this was to happen—that the day, uh, the the day, uh, uh, the, the day after the Sabbath, that these sisters in Christ would go to the tomb, and he would be missing already, and the the, the stone would be rolled away, and there would be an angel in the uh, in the tomb to talk with them. They were all struck by this. They were overwhelmed by the events that were there, and so Mark catches up some of the the drama of this not by his many details, but by the brevity of details uh, that he brings to us. <clears throat> um, but with this resurrection, verse six. <clears throat> with this resurrection. Um, we see that um, it has a um, uh, it has a kind of finishing <clears throat> commentary on the whole of Jesus' life because as he's as he's executed a couple days before, we wonder. What that tells us about all that Jesus did, all that he said, all the miracles that he did, all the experiences he had, all the friends that he had, all the ministry that he had, that death of Christ puts an end to all of that in a great sense. And if this was all that Jesus was known for, that he had wonderful teaching, that he was inspiring while he was alive and yet he died uh, that we would not be Christians today because the summary judgment of his life was that he was a a very interesting man um, inspired even you could say yet he was nothing more than somebody like Ernest Hemingway or William Shakespeare uh, an insightful person who was a maybe a cultural giant in the world. But with the resurrection, it changes the color of everything that Jesus did. What about all the things that Jesus said? What does the resurrection do to them, you see? It justifies them. It gives them more significance. It says, listen to me. Listen to what I have said. What about God's kingdom? God, What about God, his kingdom? Good and evil and the messianic concept. The resurrection, you see, amplifies and it's like a loud speaker that says, listen again to all these things that Jesus said. The, the, the resurrection comes at the end of the Gospels and it comes as an alarm clock at the end of the Gospels ringing its peal to call attention to everything that went before it, and um, when Jesus represented the Lord as He did, when He talked about ethics like He did, when He talked about the Kingdom of God like He did, when He talked about His Messianic role, His righteousness, and then finally when He talked about His expiation, His expiation of sin. From our lives, when he talked about these things, the resurrection slams the door shut on on, uh, skepticism and us being dubious about these things, and it says these things were all true. So the resurrection justifies uh, the messianic cause, and uh, I I love that verse in uh, in Romans one. already called attention to it, um, where it says in verse 4 that Jesus Christ, our Lord, was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. So Paul sees it. And I love the way he writes this in the letter to the Christians in Rome. Rome, the imperial city, the city of imperial power, the power of the empire, the power of the chariot, the power of the centurion, the power of the army of Rome that had conquered the known world at that time. Paul writes to them. And he says that Jesus was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. That's what the women were afraid of. They sensed as they left the tomb, they sensed this amazing power that God had displayed in his only begotten son. And it scared them half to death. We should have thought, well, they were just happy to see that Jesus was alive, but it scared them uh, to the death. And so uh, let's just look at this. Let's look at some of these verses here. I, and about the resurrection I'm going to argue that the resurrection justifies or uh, the ju- the resurrection is the definitive statement in verse 4 and verse 6 uh Mark says uh, you see Jesus who 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 was crucified past tense he is risen present tense not just he was risen he is risen <laughs> he's he's not here he's not here uh so uh he makes a definitive statement of this and um, so that all men might see and all men might hear. Even today, are you a politician, are you a scientist, are you a teacher, are you a, a well-known academician? What have you to say about Jesus Christ and his resurrection? Mark tells you, he, he is risen, he is not here. Secondly, the resurrection begs to be proclaimed, verse 7. Mark immediately says, but go tell his disciples of Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, continually goes before us. He went before the disciples in this day and he goes before us today. He goes before us today uh, in the the world wherever Christ is proclaimed. So where there is that poor Christian in Pakistan who is hated by his neighbors as someone who would dispute the greatness of Muhammad and the word of Muhammad as he makes his feeble declarations feeble by this in the sense that the society does not uh, embrace it as he makes those declarations the angels rejoice and uh the, the uh, resurrection begs to be proclaimed, and it is. And people will come to faith through it. <clears throat> um, the resurrection of Christ in verse 7 points to more. Like I said, he goes before us. And the gospel is just the beginning of the advance of Christendom through the, through the ancient world. The ancient world had grown weary, with its paganism, with its beliefs that it had in that day. The, the ancient world was so tired. The, the the glories of the Greco-Roman Empire were fading away. You can see that in terms of their theater, their poetry, their philosophy. The only thing left at this time when Jesus was born and died and was resurrected and ascended on high, the only thing left in Rome was was raw. Political power. In a sense, we see the same thing today. The government hates anyone who would contest its power. But all it has is raw political power. It has, Its power is not justified. Its power is not good. Its power is not beautiful. Oh, how the bureaucrats hate, though, anyone who would contest its power. Oh, they'll go after you if you dare to challenge them and their self-proclaimed uh, claims to, de- to deity and to all power and to all significance, how they will dispute God's law, wherever it disagrees with their sense of things. Today, people are, are so confident as they they claim that we can change our sex we can change our beliefs we can change our deeds whatever we decree as human beings we can do and yet the streets and the byways are littered with the bodies of the suicidal who have found the the modern gospel wanting and uh, the modern modern man can do little to stem the tide of that um the resurrection also justifies um, the women being fearful and the wrath of God, which will be against all unrighteousness. We see a number of statements here uh, of, the, of these women as they looked up and uh, saw that the stone had been rolled away. It first says in verse, in verse 5 that they were alarmed because they, there just was no reason for that stone to be rolled away. They were the. They were the. Uh, it was surprising enough that they were there, followers of Christ, uh, in these days after the crucifixion. But the fact that the the, the tomb was open was very unnatural, and uh, they had come with these spices out of um, out of a deep love for Jesus and wanted to do something to show. Their affection for him, even to serve his dead body, but they were alarmed when they saw the tomb was open, and then the angel speaks to them, and he tells them that he's not here, that he's risen, um, but but rather than simply be glad, it says in verse eight, they fled, they went quickly from the tomb, uh, for they trembled, they were they they did not. They were not not able to encourage each other together in their sorority fellowship of these blessed women because they were so undone by what they'd seen with this dead body and the fact that now there was an angel in the tomb claiming that he was alive and that he'd risen again from the dead and he would see them soon in Galilee. And this portends all of the sightings that they would see with this risen Jesus and so we have to say as we look at this in totality we have to say that Satan and unbelief were the real losers here that it wasn't just that Jesus was justified but that all the other contenders all the other philosophies that and which people pour so much of their energy so much of their time so much of their money uh, all of these things are just uh, nothing. And uh, today, people strive to obtain the the cultural seats of power. I know one of the old uh, one of the old artists in his etching has a picture. I think it's associated with Noah's flood, and it's of these people that are clawing at each other and climbing in each other to, to avoid the waters, the, the destructive waters of the flood. And you just see the people climbing over each other. Just They'll do anything to get one foot higher, one inch higher. And so the only thing we can do is climb on each other. And it's like, a, it's like an anthill or something like that of people that are trying to claw their way out and uh, claw their way up. And that's the picture that I get of of humanity in all of the efforts that we make to get above, to, to get where we can be rewarded, where we can have some ceremony, where we can talk so nicely and so pleasantly about each other, awarding each other ribbons and degrees. And I just look at that and I think how vain it is, how empty, because in the end all they're celebrating is the greatness of mankind. And the problem is man cannot congratulate himself in the sense that he wants to, that he needs to. We need to hear the voice of God. You need to hear the voice of God. I need to hear the voice of God. We all need to hear the voice of God congratulating us, that he loves us, that we are his children, that we are his loved children. That's why when Jesus is baptized and the heavens open and the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, that's what we need to hear. That's what we cry out for as we do our work, as we labor. So hard in this world to accomplish this or that. But if we work, if the end of what we do is for nothing other than our own glory, it leaves us with dirt in our mouths, sawdust, dust. But if we work for the living God, how inspiring it is because God does exist. He's there. And we know in our hearts that it's only his opinion that really counts, so that when he says, this is my beloved son, or this is my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased, do not our faces beam with joy. For we know that the one who is altogether worthy has beheld us, has loved us, has seen us. And for whatever his divine reasons are, he loves us. The Bible says he loves us because he loves us. And it's wonderful. It's justifying. It makes life worth living. And Jesus justified all of that by his resurrection. But when he rose again from the dead, he condemns all other gospels. He condemns the gospel of beauty. Yes, it's lovely to be an artist and to paint lovely things. It's, uh, lovely to capture the, the the vision out there that we see of nature or the beauty of a person's face. You may be a portrait artist and you're able to look into the eyes of people and capture the spark that's there. How lovely that is! But if that's all there is, that's nothing. It's dust on the scales. But if we're created in the image of God and when we see that spark of life within us, we say, Ah. There's the finger of God on my life, in my eyes, in my heart. Jesus' resurrection justifies that. And it condemns all other gospels. The gospel of the visual beauty, physical beauty. The gospel of a great achievement, business achievement, academic achievement. How many are the men in business who are really wealthy, who have worked night and day to accomplish something, but that the context of that accomplishment is nothing other than the, the work that they've done. Now, if they've worked for Christ, it's a great achievement, but if they've worked for themselves, it's nothing. It's dross. They're, they're, they are uh, uh, prickly vines that deserve to be burned, briars that deserve to be burned. But if we've done these things for Christ, then it's uh, it's of great value. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, uh, don't seek after the things which rust and which moths can destroy. As Jesus said, don't seek after those things because they will leave you empty. Uh, today, sport is such a big thing in our culture and one of the most exciting sports is the National Basketball Association. I found that I've, I've gotten so utterly bored with the accomplishments of these men, uh, mainly because they, they are so humanistic and they're, they're so bent on themselves. They get so excited if they can throw a basketball down in, in somebody else's face, they say, uh, and, uh, and uh, sort of display their power over that other person, shame that other person. These ends and these goals are so basic, so primitive, so worthless in the end. You're going to come to heaven and God is going to say, why should I let you into my heaven? You say, well, because I I slammed the ball or I, I was a professional wrestler and I gave this guy a body slam. That's why you should let me into heaven. I don't think God is even going to justify that with an answer. He's just going to pull the lever. Down you go into the judgment of eternal hell because you knew that God existed. You knew that he sent his Christ. His Christ really was raised from the dead. And what did you do about it? Did it arrest your life? Did it cause you to stop, to think, and to go to worship on the Lord's day? Or did you pass by on the other side Satan and unbelief really are losers because Christ is really a winner, the winner. Let's close in prayer. Our Father and our God, we pray that you would arrest our hearts today with the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and that we would see it both positively and negatively. Help us, O Lord, not just to see it negatively as wonderful, I mean positively, as wonderful as that is, but help us to see it negatively in terms of all of those of this world who have given themselves over to vanity and death. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.